0: Morning. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good. good. Uh, when I told Jim Nehanke, I had the message today, he said, good, I can be home by 1130. <laughs> and I was flattered to know that Jim thinks I'm efficient, you know. <laughs> uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. and we just ask that uh, your hand will be on our words and what we, what we do and say today here. We ask that uh, you be edified and glorified, lifted up in all we do and say, I ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, When I was asked to do this today, it's, you know, July 4th, and so you want to do something kind of patriotic and, you know, for God and country kind of thing, And, and I thought about it for a while and I realized that that's all been done, many times over probably. So I thought, well, uh, I have three books on my shelf. Well, more more than three books. I have these three books on my shelf, and they were written by a guy named named Bruce uh, Feiler. And uh, the one's called Abraham. The other one's called uh, Where God Was Born. And the last one was Walking the Bible. And they're secular, uh, but they're very good. And and in Walking the Bible, they're, they're all travelogues, basically, and they talk about the sites where things happen in the Old Testament, and they're fascinating. And in the one, Walking the Bible, he kind of develops this theme where, uh, in American history, there have been Moses types, you know, archetypes of Moses, P- someone who led the country from, you know, the dark and the light. And the example would be, you know, Lincoln or Washington, uh, Martin Luther King, you know, and I thought about it for a long time, and I didn't do that either. I didn't pick that one. So, so I thought more about it, and I thought, well, what are some uh, topics or ideas or concepts that are in the, in the Bible that got transferred into the American DNA? It should be pretty easy, but it's not. Uh, and I looked for a long time. And it struck me that Paul talks about freedom. He talks about freedom an awful lot, actually. And you can put the first slide up if you want to. There you go, Fourth of July. Um, uh, Paul talks a lot about freedom. So I started reading through it a little bit. So I'm going to talk about Paul ta- Paul, Paul's ideas of freedom. And it's going to be a, uh, might be a long walk, but I think it's worth it to get through what I'm, I'm talking about. Um, okay, the first slide, or second slide, rather. In uh, Corinthians, chapter 3, 16 through 18, uh, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is, is, is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image in, in, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. So what's Paul saying here? Paul's talking about once you, uh, once you come to Christ, you see things differently. Yeah. You know, the veil's lifted. And the veil he's talking about mostly, I think, is the law. You know, the law was, and we'll develop, develop, develop this a little bit better as we go on, but the veil was oppressive. You know, the law was oppressive. It, There were you have the Mishnah and the 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 Talmud and, and the priests of the day had thousands of little laws that you couldn't couldn't possibly adhere to. You had by their standards you you committed sin, you know, with reckless abandon, if you will, and that's why the priests had to do sacrifices all the time. And Paul's talking about that. Paul says, you know, once you come to Christ. You see things differently. You see that you don't need to do all that stuff. the next slide. Take Galatians 5. And these are all interna- uh, New International Version uh, translations. Uh, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you, le- if you, le- if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. Again, I declare that every man who lets himself be circumcised, uh, that he is obligated to obey all the law. Now, what's Paul saying here? Paul's saying if you don't abandon the old ways, you know, why, why drag the old ways back into the new life? Uh, he's, calling, he's saying you're free. Don't do this anymore. Uh, so and. It's a matter of degree, probably. You know, if, you, if you adhere to one part of the law, where do you draw the line? You know, what, what, good is, what good is salvation to you if you hang on to something? OK? So, it's, so if, you adhere, if you adhere to one part of it, then why not, why not all of it? You know, what, good is, what good is your salvation? And it's true you know, for us today, too. I mean, we all struggle with that sort of thing. There's always something in your past or your previous training, or you know, uh, things you were you were raised to do that you just kind of you're hard to break free from. And 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 I've, I've you know, there's, there are people who are, who are raised Catholic and they want to hang on to they, they just weren't raised this way. You know, there's something that that you know I might be free from, or someone else might be free from, but because they were raised, and I'm not picking on Catholics. I'm just saying their their, their past, their, their upbringing makes them resistant, resistant to certain ideas sometimes. And, it's, and that's what Paul's talking about here, I think. You to go to the next slide, if you will. Did OK, all right. Um, OK, according to his eternal, eternal purposes uh, that he has accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord, in him, through faith in him, we may approach God in freedom and co- with with freedom and confidence, uh, I ask therefore that you do not be discouraged because of my sufferings, which is glory, uh, which are glory, which are your glory. Sorry. Okay, what's he saying here? He's saying because God set us free from the from the law, we can go to God directly, not through man. We can we can go on our own. Uh, you can pray to God, and God hears you. You have access to God's throne. You can bypass the priest at this point. He's saying, Um, which is that's why we're here. You know, we have a hopefully we all have a relationship with God that we can uh, address Him directly, personally, without encumbrance, you know, without being ashamed. uh, You know, know, whatever sin we've committed, we're trying to you know repent from or whatever. what if you pray about, you can pray about with confidence that God hears you. Next slide. Colossians 2, 15 through 17. And having disarmed the powers and authority, he made made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them at the cross. By the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you uh, by what you eat, drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new, means, new, means, new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day, these are shadows of things that are to come. Uh, the reality, however, is founding Jesus, founding Christ. So what's he saying here? Again, he's saying traditions. The old traditions don't matter. You, know, uh, you don't need to adhere to these things. Uh, the law doesn't matter to you. It's in Christ. You're saved by grace and faith. And the next slide, 1 Corinthians 9 through 18. And what is my reward? Just this. In preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and not to make a full use of, the, of my right as a preacher of the gospel. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Uh, to win as many as possible. To the Jew, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though myself I am not under the law, as to win those who are under the law. And this runs back to our our previous slide. Um, Paul says he's free from this stuff, but in order to be relevant to the world around him, he can address he can he can address someone on their own terms. Um, he has the freedom to do what he has to do to be relevant to the unsaved, to be a witness. Give the next slide. Okay, First Corinthians uh, ten twenty three, and this is a bit controversial. Um, so I have the right to do anything. You say, but not everything is beneficial, but I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Now, I've heard, I've heard people say, well, then if I'm a Christian, I kind of have a license to do what I want because I'm forgiven. And that, if that were true, even if that were true, that runs contrary to everything taught in the New Testament. You know, Paul himself talks about being disciplined, talks about running the good race, you know, uh, making himself fit, you know, to win the prize. Um, it doesn't talk about license. You know, what, what he is talking about is probably the next slide. If you go to uh, Corinthians 10, here we go, Corinthians 10, 28 through 30. But if, if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, do not eat of it do not eat it both for the sake of the, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience i'm referring to the other person's conscience not yours for for why is my freedom being judged by another conscience if i take part in the meal with thankfulness i am denounced because uh, because of something i thank god for is the question and what he, and, so the previous the previous verse um, where he says, I, "I have, you know, I have freedom. To everything's been. I can do anything, but not, th- not everything's beneficial." He's talking about this here. I think I think in this verse, re- referring to it, um, he has he has the right to eat sacrificed meat, but it may not be the best thing to do. You know, he's, he, he's really talking about discretion. You know, using your freedom with discretion, not just willy-nilly, not just broad brush. Um, So Paul, all these verses I've just read are talking about Paul saying he has freedom from the law. He can do what he wants. Um, And because of this, because Paul was talking about freedom from the law, he found himself in hot water with uh, the Jewish establishment, Um, with both both the Jews and the Romans. Because what Paul was really saying is, I have freedom from the law, so I don't need the priest. I don't need to adhere to the establishment. And this was dangerous because you know the, the Jewish situation in, in Israel at that time was they're part of Rome. You know the, the Roman authorities were over the Jews. If the Jews acted up, you're going to have the Roman authorities step on step on the Jews, and you know the priests may you know pay a price, may yeah, lose your life maybe if you go go against Rome. So Paul was a Paul was a threat basically because of what he was saying, because of freedom. Um, you know, when you go against power power pushes back so Paul found himself in Jerusalem being interrogated and you know the story about Paul before Agrippa um, you know and Paul stands before Agrippa and he tells his story where you know he he helped uh, persecute and kill Stephen and he talks about his road to Damascus where you know he met Christ basically um, and, and Agrippa's Agrippa's line to him was his, his, what Agrippa said to him, "You know, I'm almost persuaded, but not quite. You know? And there's an interesting, uh, interesting uh, line, a verse that Paul uses on my next slide. There we go. And uh, Acts 26 verse 22, uh, he says, "But Paul or, but God has helped me to this very day, so I stand here." And I testify to a small and great alike that I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses would, uh, what, Paul, uh, what the prophets and Moses said would happen. So this is an interesting line. We'll come back to this. But, this, but Paul saying, basically, I think some, there's some, some translations as Paul says, here, here I stand. Um, but, you know, Paul says, I stand here and I'm telling you the truth. This is what happened. So, so far, you're probably thinking to yourself, this is all stuff we've heard before, maybe, And but what's this have to do with the Fourth of July? And, uh, well, here's where the turn happens. So uh, 1,400 years or so after Paul, there was a, a priest in uh, Germany and who was studying Paul. And he was seeing a similar, uh, uh, a very similar situation between Paul's issues and his own. You know, Paul went against authority, you know, saying the authority had no power. You know, in matters of of uh, faith. So Martin Luther um, wrote a wrote a series of you know, pamphlets or theses. It's called the disposition of the power of the indulgences. So what was happening in, in Luther's time was that um, Pope, uh, Pope Leo X, I believe, um, had launched a fundraising program. He was going to build uh, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. And to do that, he needed cash. So what he did was he gave certain people, certain leaders in, around the, uh, in, in Europe, uh, franchises to sell indulgences. And what an indulgence was, was a get out of hell free card, basically. If you paid cash, your sins were forgiven. Okay, not to be crude, but (laughs) yeah. And one of the uh, and 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 so Luther wrote uh, 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 ninety-five theses and nailed them to Wittenberg door, chapel door, uh, chapel door, uh, which got attention. And Luther, Luther was probably a kind of usurpic kind of guy, not really likable, you know. He wasn't. He wasn't very politi- political about things. He just kind of said what he thought. That always gets you in trouble. My firsthand experience. But uh, <laughs> uh, so there was a, a person in uh, in Wittenberg uh, named Albert. Uh, well, Albert Brandenburg, who had a, a team of salespeople that went around selling indulgences. And one of these guys uh, was in Luther's area. Was named John Teasel. and. Uh, he had a little. He would, he would you know, bring his wagon or whatever into the town square and, and set up shop and start selling indulgences. And he had a little jingle, and it said, "As soon as a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs." Now, not only is it bad theology; it doesn't rhyme very well. And uh, Luther was really annoyed by it and made a lot of noise about it. And uh, the Pope threatened to excommunicate him. And Luther, in his wisdom, Mouth off to the Pope and said, Well, you can't execute, uh, excommunicate me because man has no power to, between my relationship with God, it's none of your business. You can't, you can't, you know, shut up, basically, which really annoyed the uh, the Pope. So Luther winds up in a, uh, going to trial, basically. And uh, John Eck of Tyre was the, uh, yeah, the prosecutor, if you will, and I won't give you the whole story, but at um, at one point you can go to the next slide if you want to yeah at one point at toward the end uh, he is asked will you, will you will you recant these books he's written and Luther, Luther's reply was, "If I can find one mistake in my in my writing, I'll burn them myself and the end, the closing line of the, of the trial, the famous line, was, uh, here I stand, I can do no more, is what Luther, Luther told Eck. Now, if you paid attention, I said Luther was studying Paul. Paul uh, Luther quoted Paul in his trial, where Paul has said, here I stand. Luther said, here I stand. That's not an accident. That, that, that's, you know, Luther was a student of, of Paul. Um, so Luther's teaching you know I'm sorry yeah. uh, well, Paul, where Paul taught that uh, Christ's teaching superseded the law Luther taught solo, solo uh, scriptura, scriptura which means scripture alone um, you know, superseded the pope basically um, and both men got the wrath of the authorities on them um, so what, what Luther did was well, you're, at this point, you're probably asking, what's this do with the Fourth of July? <laughs> okay, so what really happened was that Luther really ignited the Reformation. And you know, for the next 100 years or so, uh, Europe went through this transition between Catholic and Protestant back and forth and back and forth. Um, and what really the next, the next big thing that happened for uh, the Reformation is that Henry VIII wanted to get divorced, and the pope wouldn't let him. So he broke away and said, oh, "I'll build my own church." So he had the Church of England, which now is the Episcopal's. You know, it's the same, the same denomination basically. Um, you can go to the next slide if you want. So, in 1620, uh, you had the Pilgrims come over in Plymouth Rock and all that. And they came; they were separatists, Puritans. They came, they came here to uh, get away from the turmoils in Europe, and in. 1630, we had John Winthrop. And John Winthrop was the, um, the well, they, they set up the, the Massachusetts colony, and he was the governor. And John Winthrop wrote, uh, gave a speech that is really an American icon. And I won't read it all to you, but uh, in part it says, now, on the way to avoid shipwreck uh, and to provide for the prosperity, is to follow the commandments of Micah: to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. And 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 for this end, we must be knit together. Uh, knit together as one man, basically, is what it says. And it goes on, and it says, uh, "The Lord will be our delight." To, the, the Lord, the Lord will be our delight. And dwell among dwell among us as his own people, and he will command a blessing upon us uh, in our ways, so that we shall see much much more of his wisdom and power uh, and goodness and truth than formerly uh, we had uh, had been acquainted with and it ends by saying, well not in by but later on it says uh, for we we must consider." That we shall be a city upon a hill, uh, the eyes of the people upon us, and we shall, uh, we shall deal, and if we deal falsely with our God, uh, in this work that we have undertaken, uh, he, will, he and and to, and to cause his and and to cause him to withdraw his power his protection from us, we shall be made a story and a byword throughout the world. So what he's saying is. And it, it, If you get a chance, you should look it up and read the speech. He's invoking God. Yeah. The, first, the first colony, rural colony, that got set up in this country, the governor, it was a prayer, basically, what he was saying. He, he invoked God. Uh, and, it, and that speech has been famous and, and quoted throughout, uh, throughout our history. Um, if you go up a little bit to the next, uh, next slide, if you would. There you go. In 1830, 100 years later, a guy named uh, uh came over, 1831, and he wanted to find out what was so nice, what was so great about this, this new country? What was, what was, Why did it work so well? Um, and he, when he did, he, uh, he found out that the United States, well, America at that point was a, was a very religious country. And in this slide here it says, not until I went into the churches of America, and heard and heard and heard her pulpits flame with the righteous. I did not understand the secret of the genius and power. Uh, God is great because America is good, and if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Well, that's kind of a poignant statement. Um, so, so you know, two hundred years after Winthrop you know, said his prayer, basically. On the, on, the, on, on the flagship Arabella, America was still very godly, you know, very much uh, uh, very much fallen God. And the city on the hill speech has been quoted by John F. Kennedy uh, in his farewell speech to Massachusetts, the Massachusetts um, uh, Congress, basically, basically. Uh, he said the same thing, you know. He quoted he quoted Winthrop and said, "You know, we need to be the city on the hill." Reagan, in his farewell speech, referenced Winthrop and the city on the hill. So we have this this situation, where there's an awareness in politics, clear up and pass Reagan probably about who we really are and the DNA of the country was really spiritual. Yeah, really gave you know really gave thanks to God for what he had done and appreciated it um, so what's the takeaway here you know, the, t- the takeaway is that you know there are people who talk about the separation of church and state that uh, you know, there is a, there should be a wall between the church and the state you know the Constitution reads <laughs> freedom of religion not from religion basically um, so it's it's a it's a purposeful a purposeful misinterpretation of the constitution basically and now i've been told i've been told when i when i speak that i usually kind of invoke politics more than i should because people don't think that you should talk about politics, politics in church and and i'm open minded and and i'm reasonable and, and you have the right to be wrong you know uh, we uh you know, if the church doesn't speak out against wrong and social ills, who will? You know, that's the church's job, basically. You know, and every most every legal issue be, you know, began in life as a moral issue, and you know we. I think it's the church's job to speak out and say, "Hey, you know, put the brakes on a, a little bit here." Um, and you know, today we have problems. You know, we. You know, it, it's you can't deny it. I think no matter where you fall politically. You recognize there are problems in the country right now. You know, yeah, uh, you know, we're going to celebrate celebrate Independence Day, but we also have a Father's Day, Mother's Day, Flag Day, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, but we're going to have Pride Month, uh, which <laughs> is uh, a little annoying. You know, and it's it's the church's job to speak out against that thing, not to be not to be rude or uh, uh, you know in your face about stuff, but again, just you say no and this isn't right. Not to go out and seek trouble but to say hey when, when you when it looks at you in the face you say ah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, and here's why. Yeah, it's that simple. So uh, I hope this is interesting to you. Yeah, and then I think it's pretty fascinating you can draw a straight line from from Paul's Paul's writing in the New Testament to the founding of the country. You know, so the Separated separation church of state, if, if they're it's not there, you know it, that came from a misinterpretation of Jefferson. I, I think Jefferson wrote a le- Jefferson wrote a letter in 1803 to a a, a, um, a Baptist uh, organization and he was he was misinterpreted and misquoted mis- basically but I think it's imper- uh, it's imperative I think that as a Christian you, you need to be aware of what's going on socially around you to be aware of what you can do, what you can 't do uh, You know, to speak out against evil when you see it. So that's pretty much my message.